This is a level of professionalism you should mm-hmm. be used to. You hit dogs on Dana Gould's podcast. You know, yeah, and that guy's got way more budget and... I thought that was his children. <laughs> There's probably that too. I hope he doesn't listen to this. Uh, he's, hopefully he's too busy for that. I imagine. Speaking of. Yeah. I can open with a Dana Gould watching. I would hope so. Let's let's intro this thing and talk about stuff. Hey, listeners, you are listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast that will talk about a horror movie and spoil it, and talk about some recently watched, which we will spoil. Spoil or not? Well, we'll try not to, or spoil. we'll we'll mildly spoil. Will's just going to spoil it, so brace yourselves. Whatever um, you watched, I will spoil. Thank you to the Moonrays for. Spoiling that intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find the music on iTunes or Amazon if you want to buy it digitally. Say hello to them on Facebook where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And we are chewing the scenery on the Facebook and the Instagram. So that's housekeeping. Um, guys, we missed last week because I was ill. And then we had to postpone. Uh, Will had some travel. So yeah, we're recording on a different night. They don't know that. It doesn't mean a damn thing, I'm sure. Um, well, Jolien, do you want to kick it off with... Uh, you? Well, I'll, I'll just uh, mention that I finished watching the Creepshow series on Shudder. Yeah. Uh, the sixth episode. Um, so the first one, uh, directed by Roxanne Benjamin, and it's called uh, Skin Crawlers, and uh, starring Dana Gould Ooh. as Henry. How does he do? He's, he's really good oh, character actor, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, he's a professional. Uh, Pazuzu's in it as well. If you, nice. If you look in the background. Uh, ha- having a good year, Pazuzu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Turning up and stuff. It's, it's a Pazuzu revival kind of year, isn't um, it? Yeah, so uh, this one, is, uh, he, he's uh, this overweight guy who goes to a, a clinic where they're promising a miracle cure to get rid of excess body fat, and, uh, and it gets pretty gruesome from there <laughs> um i thought it was a, it was a good one um uh there's kind of a peculiar pair of high angle shots at the end i didn't understand what they were doing with those but um yeah that was that was a fun one and then the very last story is uh called uh, by the silver waters of lake champlain by um written the story is written by joe hill and uh it was directed by tom savini and it's about the uh lake champlain creatures so i guess when your dad is stephen king even if you change your name, you know, you've still got connections. You can get Tom Savini. <laughs> he did a good job on that remake of Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah? I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, there's that. Yep. So you enjoyed it? Yep. Good. Uh, yeah, I thought the last uh, couple of episodes were their strongest, so finished well. 
Great. Look forward to more. So we still have Brazilians of listeners, by the way. All right. Yeah. Um, Looks like seven Brazilian. Well, seven listens in a week. That's that's an average of one per day, isn't it? If I'm doing my math correctly. I like to think that one person's listening to us seven times, once a day. For yeah. Seven days. I like to think they're broadcasting us from their boom boxes as they lay on the beaches by Rio. Well, yeah, of course. Essentially nude. It's where they usually play <laughs> waxed podcasts <laughs> on the beaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm picturing that too. We'll get the pie started. Yeah, so um, our top countries are United States, Brazil, and the UK, uh, followed by Canada and Australia. So, you know, if you speak English or uh, Portuguese, you probably enjoy our show. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's it been, two weeks since we recorded? Something like that. Have you guys watched a lot of stuff? Mm-hmm. I was traveling. So, so not you a whole lot. Not as much as? Jolene, do you have a whole mess? Uh, well, I had four things come out at the same time, you know, how these things happen. Well, tell us about those first, because there's something, the secrecy, the, oh, the, the yeah. veil of secrecy that one, we can uh, finally lift. Yeah, the Jumanji book just came out. Okay. Oh, congratulations. Um, so that ties in with an, it, it's not, it, it's like a story that takes place in between the movie stories, so okay. it doesn't affect anything, but oh. yeah, you can see that online. So there, there's not a whole lot of continuity to worry about? No, no, it's just a kind of anecdote in between. Connective tissue. Things. Bit of uh, fun stuff. So tell the listeners who don't know what you do, what you do. Uh, <laughs> and, what, and what you did with I it. I draw too. stuff, so mostly comics. <laughs> so you drew a Jumanji comic. Yep. And uh, I've... I just did a couple of... These are legitimate Jumanji comics. Yes. He's not just doing fanfic. (laughs) Bootleg Jumanji comics. Yeah. (laughs) Slash. So there's no love story between uh, Jack Black and Dwayne The Rock? No, not not in this story. Okay. But listeners, if you want to draw your own, go ahead. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that came out. Uh, I did a cover for a, um, a book about a major... Horror director. Really? Thriller director that uh, will come out next year. And you can't talk about it yet? No, not till. I think that gets announced in January. Well, cool. We'll be doing maybe our Wintry 3 episode by then. Um, Finally got the hard copies of the horror special I did for um, Wicked Awesome Tales. I I just drew all the stories in this particular issue and they're all like horror themed uh written by various people including a uh, friend of the show Stephen uh Graham Jones and mm-hmm. and um uh Zach Davison oh nice um so yeah that was fun um they did a nice job of printing that um yeah uh, I just did an interview with Voyager magazine that just came out that's got some pictures in it so yeah, All right. just various things going on. Yeah, sounds like a whole lot. <laughs> there should be two of you. You should have a doppelganger to get it all done. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've got to watch all these rubbish movies on Tubi. Now that we, yeah. <laughs> so, so far, what we've done is we hooked you up with uh, a platform or two. We won't, we won't say what you have access to in case anybody doesn't know who's sharing passwords. But we told you that Amazon Prime or Amazon had 
Prime Video, yeah, which you you dug into that rubbish bin, yeah, and now you know about Tubi. Mm-hmm. So and that's kind of thousands. About the same level. It's mm. got it's got even more, and uh, and they're they're broader as well. There's there's kind of uh, they're a bit more daring with their selections. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So uh, yeah, that's been fun digging through that. So before we get too far into uh, what we recently watched, um, I did notice when I was scrolling through Tubi that a lot of what we were, you know, we could jokingly call them mockbusters or um, whatever kind of uh, whatever kind of fakes people put mm-hmm. out just before or just after something like The Nun <laughs> or The Mummy or whatever. You know, so I, I actually, when it last time I was scrolling and let me, let me open my phone up here. Cause I had, uh, I had, um, made some notes. Yeah. Lots of nun movies and Bigfoot movies. And- oh yeah. No shortage of them. Any crossovers yet? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That'll be awesome. Yeah. A Bigfoot nun movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Um, let me find this. I'm, uh, I think it's in my notes app. All right. So for anybody who uh, can't afford The Conjuring, you could get The Invoking. <laughs> I'm assuming it's the... St- the Invoking? Yes. Um, if you couldn't afford the... That rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> doesn't it? The Invoking. And there's actually a sequel to The Invoking. I think it's The Invoking 2. Ooh. Um, the Evil... Okay, it's just called Evil Nun. Mm-hmm. Um, hey. Kill a nun. Yeah. It's not very good. Either. If you uh, if you can't afford the witch, you ma- you might be able to spring for Mark of the Witch. Oh, is that? Ooh. The- oh, no, I was thinking of some- I was thinking of uh, Mark of the Devil. And uh, if there's any of the Ouija movies that you couldn't really afford, then you might be able to afford Ouija Summoning. <laughs> wow! So this this is just a handful of just scrolling for a couple minutes. Right now, if you scrolled all the way to the end of the horror listings on Tubi, mm-hmm. I bet you there's. Dozen, two dozen of these. Now, I think we need to do, do an it. episode no around this. No one can make it. <laughs> you see so much shit, you just give up. You'd go blind. Uh-huh. Um, I think they've got one, maybe two actual Bruce Lee movies and at least a dozen Bruce Plotation movies. Oh, oh man. Yeah. We need to do the the, uh, the Mockbuster episode where we take the real thing and compare it to the fake thing. Maybe we could each pick a movie. Like, I could pick... An invoking or a nun, and then you know we could each pick something. All right, <laughs> Will, you you need to watch the invoking. I think. So should we try and be like pretty up to date with what they're ripping off? Uh, well, the nun was recent. It was mm-hmm. in the last two years. Yeah. Uh, Conjuring, um, the Conjuring Two, or whatever. I'm sure there's some Annabelle movies on there. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's like lots of evil dolls. Yeah, there's an evil doll that's. Like Annalise or something like that. Some, oh, just some bullshit like that. That's good. Yeah. Some thought went into that. So why don't we do this? One of us can pick uh, an Annabelle ripoff. One of us gets a nun ripoff and the other one gets a conjuring ripoff. Okay. So, draw straws or something. Okay. Yeah. We'll do that. Uh, and I think with Dr. Sleep being in the theaters currently, mm. maybe we could make that an upcoming episode. Maybe. Have you heard that's good? I've heard it's good. Yeah. I don't know if I'm hearing Who? the biased Who told opinion. Where do you hear that? <laughs> it's just, you know, people talk about stuff, you know. Uh-huh. Who are these people? Yeah, a lot of people talk, you know. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> be- 
people say things. People say things. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, do. they always do. Don't hey, they? The, the roads are bumpy around here. Mm-hmm. A lot of things fall off of trucks. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so, um, I'm sorry, Jolie. Let's talk about your recently watched. Oh, so have you been digging into noir and stuff? Uh, yeah, I have, but uh, I've, I've not watched a whole lot. I haven't had chance nightmare alley i watched nightmare alley i kicked it off with nightmare alley although we were like three days into noir vember mm-hmm. um and then we watched uh blonde ice blonde ice yeah when's that from 1949 i'm thinking 48 49 yeah uh prime noir yeah times mm-hmm um, and then we watched, um... What brackets do you put in terms of which years to which I years? I typically the... go from 45 to about 55, but you could drop back to, like, say, 40 to 60, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah people you know. usually end it on Psycho for the first... Yeah. Like the end of Noir. Yeah. The first generation. Yeah, that's fair. You know, that or uh, Touch of Evil. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, you could call that. It's the last one. But, you know, there's a couple movies after that. Um, you know, and then we're in neo-noir. Where does that start? Who, yeah. Who's in Blonde Dice? Um, I don't know. Pull it up on the Google machine yeah, here. I've yeah, been, been meaning to watch that one. So. She's a, uh, seen it. a newspaper reporter. I can't remember the actress. Um, which they make a big deal about. Like, oh my God, she's a newspaper reporter. <laughs> she's just like there's, there's never basically a, a porn. Before, yeah, especially a porn 30s. actress. She is <laughs> loose. Let me tell you. <laughs> this is from 1948. Uh, let's see who is our cast on this thing. We've got Robert Page, Leslie Brooks, Russ Vincent, and and the rest. Uh, let's see. Um, Michael Whalen, James Griffith, Emery Parnell, Walter Sand. Anyway, she basically, uh, she strung this guy along, and you start off at at her wedding to his rich friend, and uh, then she goes on her honeymoon with the older rich guy, and she plots and has him killed. And then it's basically her like using the other people until she gets caught at the end. Okay. So uh, she, she's like Bluebeard or something. Yeah. Well, kind of. She's just using people for money. Okay. Um. You know, insurance money, and she frames her uh, her longtime, long-suffering boyfriend, who I don't know why he keeps putting up with her. Hmm. It was okay. Um, then we watched, um, how about oh, Nightmare Alley? Oh, Nightmare Alley was fantastic. Have you seen that one yeah. before? I'd seen that one before a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like that one. It's very fatalistic. Yeah, that's one of my Noir. favorites. Yeah. Um, uh, what was it? Else. Oh, we watched a little film called, and I don't know if you've heard of the director. Um, oh, I can remember his name. Anyway, it's a little film called The Killing. Okay. 
with Sterling Hayden. Okay. And directed by some guy named Kubrick. Hmm. Um, dialogue written by some other guy named Jim Thompson. Hmm. Uh, wow. If you, I hadn't You're seen... You're just making up names now. Yeah, I am. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, I hadn't seen this one in a long, long time. It had become kind of like... I only remember wispy images. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, this is put down your phone. <laughs> Pay oh, yeah. attention to the movie. 1956. Kind of uh-huh. Wow. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen this in a long time. I had thought it took place at a dog track for some reason, but it's a horse racing track. Right. So, uh, and I remember the, the thing I remember most was the guy in the car shooting the horse and Sterling Hayden wearing a creepy fucking mask and robbing the, what I thought was a horse racing track for some reason. But, yeah, uh, that's a great, great one. Yeah. yeah, it is on, uh, Prime. Okay. It's, it's really good. Okay. Um, putting this on the list of things to watch. Yeah. Wow. That's something I honestly have never heard of. Or if I did, it went in one ear and out the other. Yeah. I don't think many people talk about it. I don't know if that's his first one or... Yeah, let's see if it says What he had done here. before. Um, let's see if it says here about... Influence. Quentin Tarantino has said that the killing was a significant influence on Reservoir Dogs. Do you see that in it? Well, it's a heist. It's a heist picture. I mean, yeah. I don't think they're really <clears throat> too much alike. It's kind of told out of order. Oh, well, yeah, that helps. You know, it's doesn't. It doesn't jump all over the place, and it tells you exactly. You know, two hours before. It tells you what it's going to so do. And so, so-and-so had left his house. Right. Uh, you know, at exactly 3.30. Oh. Uh, you know, the large Russian guy was to start a fight in the pub. <laughs> you must have really liked this. It's only 85 minutes. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. It doesn't stop. <laughs> it gets right to the point. <laughs> that is one of the best things about noir. They're usually less than 90 minutes. Yeah. They're like an hour and 10 minutes. You know, they just... Well, that was the thing that... that the French picked up in the first because in America they were just like B movies that went out. They were the shorter feature that supported something else. Yeah, and they were kind of ignored as serious efforts. Yeah, and yeah. The French picked up and then said, "Look at all this dark stuff that's coming out of post-war America." Oh yeah. And then you get something like Elevator to the Gallows. Yeah. Holy crap! Yes, I need to watch that one. Oh man, Miles Davis. I have that copy of yours, and okay. I need to just. Pull it out and watch it. I'll, uh, yeah, and I've got. Mm. I, I love uh, Jean-Pierre Melville movies. I've got a bunch of his crime movies. Oh, that's and amazing. All right. Um, yeah. What else do you watch? Then I watch Pitfall, which I'm not sure. Is it based on, based on the old Atari game? It is. <laughs> uh, I didn't think that uh, the guy playing the snake was very believable. <laughs> um. It's uh, Elizabeth Scott and some dude, Dick Powell. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't know that I'd seen it before. Um, Eugenia said that we watched it last year, last noir November. I've seen that couple. That's one of the motorboat yeah, scene. Yeah. yeah. And so that was like, mm, I don't know. I remember that kind of, but... 
anyway, it was uh, kind of a B-grade ripoff of Double Indemnity, sort of. Mm. Let's see. <clears throat> Not quite as bloodthirsty or yeah, that, that, dark. I, I remember it feeling it. It was kind of middle of... Yeah, it's middle of the road mid, kind range. of. Middle mm-hmm. range. It does have a very realistic ending, I think. And the, the wife tells him, it's going to take a while to get over this. Right. But we'll try. And then the, the camera pulls away and you're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to end up for him, but... That's you know, a she's movie. Like, yeah, she's like, well, you fucked up for 24 <laughs> hours, but you've been good most of the time. Uh-huh. I don't know. We'll think about it. Raymond Burr. Oh. Yeah, he's back when he was a heavy. Yeah, Raymond Burr is really good in this, though. Yeah. He is super creepy. Good. Um, You're like, man, Perry Mason was a fucking creep before he Have cleared the, the bar. The Glass Key, where he's the heavy in that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good Wow, 86 minutes. That's, mm-hmm. that's also inside the Barnes limit. I'm telling you, they all are, <laughs> except maybe Out of the Past, huh. which is... Oh, that's my favorite. Maybe an hour and 46 minutes or something. It's not much past it, but... Ooh, listen to this. But yeah, that's my number one. Oh, yeah, that's a fantastic that's one. A, that's a desert island movie for me. The production was in trouble because the script violated the Hayes Code, as the adulterer was insufficiently punished. <laughs> When director DeToth found out, he met with two senior Hayes Code members, whom he selected with care. DeToth revealed that he knew the two were both married and both had mistresses. There were no problems after that. Nice. Wow. So, I mean, he's like, well, how do you guys really feel about this? <laughs> so, it's like, yeah, that's what I thought. Now let's go. <laughs> wow, interesting. So, the Pitfall. Yeah. Well, just Pitfall. <laughs> no, it's based on the novel, The Pitfall. I know, but I think that it's snappier, just Pitfall. Right. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like The Beatles. No, just call yourselves Beatles. All right, The Beatles, fine. The Beatles, yes. Okay, what else? Um, oh, then um, I got to watch a little something called... The Hallmark Christmas movie. No. Oh, we're starting Christmas now? Hallmark Christmas movie started on November 1st. Oh. Okay, who was They the- run 24 hours a day on the Hallmark Channel until Christmas, <laughs> with the exception of maybe a week of Christmas movies that take place on Thanksgiving. Basically, and this is sort of brilliant, Hallmark Channel figured out their formula. Their formula is a Christmas romance. Uh-huh. They've they made that movie for the last ten years. Right. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of versions <laughs> and the, of the exact same movie. And the big bad is always business. There's no big bad. Yeah, it's always business though. No. No? I mean that might be a minor detail because there are no big bads. It's the there, con- it's the conflict, I should say. There are no conflicts really in these movies. <laughs> these movies are a meet cute, um, where cute. no one has to overcome anything. They don't have. They might have a, a fiance or someone they just broke up with, but that's easy. It doesn't appear to really cause them any friction. There are never any rom-com moments where they can't ever get together because life won't let them. That's too frustrating for Christmas movies. So they meet, 
everything goes smoothly. The movie runs for two hours. And it's over. Also, if you took a shot every time you saw a person of color, you would be a teetotaler. <laughs> um, wow. So Evidently, only middle class white people fall in love at Christmas, which yeah. I've always thought Christmas is the most romantic time of the year, right? Supposedly, yeah. Sure. Sure. Get some Why punch not? inside you, you kiss anything. Yeah, exactly. Sure. You got <laughs> no, never going to have a Christmas office party on one of these movies. No, it's a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, there's never where, you know, somebody learns the true meaning of Christmas, really. It's just two relatively nice white people meet up and everything goes smoothly for them. That sounds adorable. Uh-huh. And they play it 24 hours a day for two months. So no matter when you jump on, it's really the same movie. It is exactly the same movie. I remember there being a thing about how those Hallmark Christmas movies, that the conflict always had to do with business. Like the bad guy was always the boss or the corporation or the job. or That, that may have been true at one time. But they've done away with but that. But they've done away with that. That is too stressful. Were there, too- there is no conflict. Oh, maybe the problem. Maybe the problem was that there were some people of color working at these jobs, so they had to delete all those movies and make new ones. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't have enough about that. But uh, yeah, ooh, wow, they're bad. Um, I do want to say that I did listen to an excellent podcast called Last Scene. Okay, uh, done by the Boston Herald. And WBUR, which I believe must be a radio station. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about the Gardner uh, Museum heist of 1990, oh. where a couple of guys dressed as policemen walked in at one in the morning, tied up the security guards, and walked off with $500 million worth of art <laughs> that has not been seen since. It is... Until some old rich guy dies. A... Uh, a pretty fascinating uh, ten part series, ten or eleven part series. So, wow. uh, interesting. Yeah. Don't know where these paintings are. Oh, they're in some private collections. Maybe there's some reports that they may have been lost, in that they were stored underground and there was a flood. Ooh, that would be bad. Yeah. I mean, you have to know that you got away with it or you didn't. Like. Would you be that paranoid that you're going to get caught? Like if you well, fully that's got the away thing now. Uh, the statute of limitations is over. Um, and the Stanley Gardner Museum offered, they're offering $5 million. They upped it to $10 million until the end of last year. Huh. And nobody, turned, nobody said anything. I mean, you could have been rich beyond your wildest dreams. Sure. If you just turned them in. But nobody showed up. Wow. So... Who's holding them for what? I mean. And it costs them a couple of uniforms. Uh-huh. And their souls. And uh, it sounded like the Stanley Gardner had the loosest security ever. Um, one of the security guards you learn um, took a bunch of people there to have a party after hours. Nice. Where they all did a bunch of mushrooms. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a good podcast. 
Wow. I like that. Um, hey, Disney just launched its uh, its streaming platform. Yes. Have either one of you considered getting it just so you could watch Song of the South? No. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm sure that's in the vault. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of things that are underground. <laughs> uh, Maybe. Yeah. That's no, you'll, you'll never see it unless it's a bootleg. They showed it to me at school. Yeah. I'm not kidding. There's a time when you could see it. Uh-huh. They showed it at school. You could buy it on VHS mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's bootlegs out there you can get. Usually you could see. I know I've seen it at shows. Uh, it's like a Japanese Disney copy. I guess they put that out on VHS yeah. for a while there. <laughs> God. So. It's, yeah, the, the, what made me think of that was you mentioned the podcast, and I listened to uh, You Must Remember This. Mm-hmm. And uh, Karina Longworth is currently doing Six Degrees of Song of the South. Ooh. She's talking about all the different people connected with the movie and how they got into working on it or what it changed in their lives or didn't help, whatever the case may be. But um, horribly racist movie. And if you only have vague memories of it from when you were a kid, you're like, oh, and then there were cartoon animals and they sang songs. Mm, yeah, there was a lot more going on there. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen that one song clip. zippity doo da. Mm-hmm. I assume. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyone who wants to kind of dig into more about that movie can listen to um, Karina Longworth's podcast. You must remember this. Anything else that you watched or listened to? What did you do for the trip? You drove, right? Yeah. Down to uh, Las Cruces, Deming area? To Deming, yes. Yeah. So, uh, we listened to Empty Frame. Or not empty frames, uh, last scene. Oh, so that was your road trip. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was at least the way down there. Yeah. Then we listened to a deep cut of a fantasy romance series. Deep, deep reading. Okay. Ooh. Bad? Well, I won't say anything. It's not my taste. I was going to say it wasn't your choice, was it? No, no. Fair enough. Yeah. We could edit this out if you want. Yeah. <laughs> No, you don't have to. You, you picked whatever. up a weird hitchhiker who forced you to listen to fantasy romance. Yeah, it was wild. I'm never picking up a hitchhiker again. <sighs> well, Jolene, what about you? What did you watch? Uh, well, sticking with uh, Shudder, I watched uh, Wax Mask. Really? Have you heard that one? No. Mm-mm. So this is from 1997. Uh, so uh, uh, by this time, Lucio Fulci was looking very... Poorly, and he was he was in a wheelchair, and Dario Argento wanted to give him a project to get him back on his feet, and, and uh, but he he died before the project came to fruition because uh, there was a delay while Argento was off shooting uh, the Stendhal syndrome, I think. Um, so the direction went to Sergio Stivaletti, who's the uh, special effects guy on Italian movies, of yeah. those times yeah and uh so this is um basically a another version of uh you know mystery in the wax museum story house of wax yeah story um so you've got this uh, uh fellow named boris volkov who's got these remarkably lifelike <laughs> figures in in various historical horror dioramas in his museum in rome and uh this uh beautiful woman named Sonia 
played by Romina Modelo, uh, comes to work for them uh, as a uh, costume maker. And uh, there's various creepy people hovering about and, and various people going missing mysteriously. Huh. Uh, and uh, it... It starts so why out, the turnover rate at Wax Museums is so high. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it starts out unpromisingly because it, it starts out with this really poor CG of Paris and then it goes inside this apartment where people get gorily killed. Um, and uh, there's this corpse that doesn't know how to stay still. You know, you can see it breathing. Um, those are gases escaping. Really poor dubbing and uh, doesn't do anything for, you know, what, I, I can't really judge what the performances are like. Um, but uh, the score is really nice. Uh, Maurizio Abani and uh, the Wax Museum looks good. Um, it's got the, the dioramas of things like uh, uh, Perseus Medusa. Oh, okay. Uh, Inferno, uh, Leonardo doing a, an autopsy, uh, The Ripper. Um, oh, you gotta have the Ripper. Yeah, in a wax museum, and and uh, you know it's uh, uh, it looks like a TV, well shot TV thing. It, it's you know it looks very digital, um, but it, it's you know it's it's, it's well shot. It's uh, uh, Sergio Salvati who who worked with Fulci a lot. Yeah. Um, overall, I'd say considering nineties Italian horror. Uh, this was surprisingly impressive. Oh. Considering previous Italian horror, I think it was quite poor. <laughs> but um, oh. uh, it's got some interesting looking people in it. Um, I think um, Argento's first idea for a project to do with Fulci was uh, to do their own version of The Mummy. Ooh. Um, so anyway, uh, after, uh, after this, Argento did Phantom of the Opera, I think. 97, um, which is just dire. I can't stand that one. Better or worse than Dracula? <laughs> I think this is the first Argento I saw is just awful. Oh, just absolute drac. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't find anything good about it. Oh, man. <laughs> just embarrassing. <laughs> That's <laughs> so awful. Dracula. Dracula. <laughs> so here's a question for you. Do you think most American movie watchers don't know that when they make a movie in Italy, they just don't really record the voices on set, you know, on scene? Yeah, they didn't used to. I mean, that was pretty standard around the world. Yeah, because uh, most people don't do sync sound. Well, well, you think on American movies, like a, a good percentage of what you're hearing is not what was recorded on location. Yeah, it's right. Dubbed in. Yeah, there's a lot of ADR that happens. Yeah. But um, it's it's like they didn't they didn't make a lot of effort with Italian movies. They're just like, there's no way this is going to sound good. Let's not bother. And, uh, it's because they didn't have all the actors speaking the same language, right? Mm-hmm. That too. It's a lot easier to dub English to English. Well, the people who who wrote reviews for this either loved it or hated it on Shutter. Which I never read the comments, but sometimes it's like, well, let's see what they said. Yeah, I'm, I'm in between that. I didn't. Yeah. Well, this is comment writers, you know, that you go through the extreme when, you, when yeah. they do comments. Yeah, everybody who made negative comments about it mentioned the dubbing or whatever they wanted to call it. Yeah, I, I wish I could have seen it with the original language, but they, they didn't offer that option. Yeah, and maybe maybe it wasn't really even 
that didn't sound that good, even in the original language. Um, wow, people are mean <laughs> and stupid. <laughs> yeah, when you say couldn't finish too stupid and you spell it T-O, you're too stupid. Wow. Gosh, I should not look at this. This is just going to make <laughs> it's going to make me mean to read this. All right. Don't uh, ever read the comments. No, you're right. Don't read the comments. Uh, I've been trying to watch uh, more crime movies. Um, I watched one, uh, an early James Cagney I hadn't seen before, which is uh, nice, um, called Doorway to Hell. This is from 1931. Okay. Uh, he's in it quite a bit. And it's obviously like he's a star, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the very first scene, it's him and Dwight Fry. Oh, okay. Dwight Fry plays his torpedo for the one of the mobsters and okay. knocks off another guy uh, with his with his machine gun. And all right, uh, yeah, it's fun. You know, he's he's all he's all kind of he's pretty restrained. He's in a suit and everything. And, um, so yeah, that, that was fun. Uh, and I watched um, a couple of movies directed by Robert Hartford Davis. Um, uh, black action movies. Uh, first one was called Black Gun. Ooh, all right. 1972 with Jim Brown. Uh, and then uh, uh, the villain, uh, top villain is played by Martin Landau. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then uh, one of the other bad guys is played by Bruce Glover. And then one of the uh, the gang leaders is played by Luciana Paluzzi. Um yeah, it's got a really good cast. Uh, Bernie Casey is one. Of, he's, he's like leading this um, uh, militant uh, group called the Black Action Group. All right. BAG. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and the villain comes to a very nasty end. Um, and then uh, another one I saw was uh, called The Take. This is from 1974. Uh, and this one stars Billy D. Williams. All right. Pre Lando Calrissian. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, police chief played by Eddie Albert, and uh, one of the crooks played by Frankie Avalon. Okay. Uh, and do so I think of a crook? Uh, mob boss played by Vic Morrow. He's really good. Oh yeah, I imagined Vic Morrow is good in that. Yeah, it, it, the, yeah. The best scenes are him and Billy D. Williams just trying to uh, outdo each other with a, you know, trying to uh, be out snappy. Yeah. To each other. Um, did you see these on Tubi by any chance? No, I did not. <laughs> these were quality, uh, you know, versions of these particular movies. These are on uh, TCM. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, the take is set in Paloma in a place called New Mexico. Huh. Hmm. Then um, I also watched... Uh, oh, okay. Getting into Tubi now. Uh, knife, <laughs> knife for the Ladies. Ooh. So this is like, uh, all the promotion is like, this is a horror western. And uh, it's kind of, um, there's this uh, kind of ripper in, in this town that's in drying up west. in the Old West. Um, uh, so he's going around like slashing people's throats. And uh, this this uh, detective is brought into town to investigate. And he's like this modern detective. And he's he's really trying to find out what's going on. But everyone in the town is just like happy to lynch the nearest Mexican and call it a day, mm. and uh, and the the sheriff is is drunk, who's played by Jack Elam. Oh. If you like Jack Elam, he's in this a lot. He's really good at. It. Um, and the, uh, the 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 actual horror bits, the killings are kind of perfunctory. Um, you know, it's just like knife goes in, knife goes out, and that's yeah. it. Um, but the the ending is a good gothic ending. Okay, it's, it's quite surprising. 
<clears throat> um, I, I thought it was an interesting uh, mystery western. Quite enjoyed that one. Um, anyway, saw two movies with Anna in the title in one <laughs> in one night. Um, that was uh, didn't mean to, but uh, so we saw Anna from this year, directed by Luc Besson. This is his latest uh, super powered supermodel. Oh, okay. Adventure. Um, so in this case, um, uh, she's uh, you know she's she's this like model who's got all this like a secret agent training from from Russia and um, it's, it's got good old fashioned stunts in it. Um, a lot of time bananas in it. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of uh, backwards and forwards so that you you'll drop back into a scene that you've seen before, but you know something different. And so there's a different angle on what's going on, uh, and there's there's really good stunt stunts and um, really good fights. Um, it's, it's, uh, Sasha Luce, uh Helen Mirren, Luke Evans, uh, Killian Murphy. Uh, yeah, that was quite fun. And uh, Anna and the Apocalypse. I've heard of this one. Uh, this is a Scottish Zom rom com Christmas musical. Yes. Oh, of course. Um, As only Scotland can do. This is, um, uh, it's got a, a rap about fish in it. Um, it's got a really inappropriate Christmas show song in it. Um, <laughs> uh, there was this joke in it that, this, um, I'll call it the sexy child joke. I won't repeat it here, but um, we were just laughing so much. Um, this goes straight in number four of my uh, Christmas movies. Wow! All uh, right. Really enjoyed that one. Um, and if you like, I mean, you know, like Shaun of the Dead and stuff. Right. I think you dig it. All right. Well, that's definitely something I have to check out. Uh, and then from from this year, we watched uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. How is it? Um, so I wasn't familiar with the the books. Apparently, many Americans are. I'm not one of read them. These books. Yeah. Um, these are uh, books compiled by Alvin Schwartz and they're basically um, anecdotal short like creepy stories yeah and uh, the urban legend urban legend and, and that sort of thing campfire stories mm-hmm. and they got like, these terrific creepy drawings by uh, Stephen Gamble which is the big selling point yeah because at some point they took those drawings out and put new ones in yes and everybody hated it so this is uh, I and got- the internet went nuts <laughs> because it was something important People came together, yes. solved yes. that problem. Yes, not anything useless like politics or no <laughs> locking kids up, uh, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, you, but you can get this new edition that collects all three of them with the original drawings. Yeah, and um, they are great drawings. Yeah, so I've been reading that. Um, uh, so this was uh, this is the latest movie by uh, Andre Ovdal, who did uh, Troll Hunter. And oh, yeah. uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe. Yeah, oh. both good movies. Uh, it's produced by Guillermo del Toro. Who is doing a remake of Nightmare Alley. Is he? What? Yes. Is that just one of his announcements? Because he does hundreds of announcements. Um, <laughs> and then you have to sort out what's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know how far along it's going, but that is huh. that is the word. And uh, I think DiCaprio is involved somehow. I know Overdale is doing uh, the long walk. That's his oh, next okay. One. Um, and this is the screenplay is by the Hageman brothers. Um, so this is not an anthology. Um, this is like a 
there's there's a movie about these these kids and they know something horrible is going on and, and it works some of the stories into the plot. Okay. Um, so it's and it's set in 1968, and it's deliberately trying to be like a, a sort of Spielberg sort of movie. Um, so it's going to remind you a lot of it and uh, uh, Stranger Things and stuff, All right. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so small town kids investigating creepy things going on. And uh, um, it takes about half an hour to really get going, but uh, it's got some really good nightmare material in there. Good. I bet if I was a kid watching this, this would be super good. Um, as it was, it was kind of uh, really good looking, nicely atmospheric, really good bits in it. And um, Emily thought the uh, creatures were stupid. Okay. Uh, I thought they were mostly look good um, <laughs> but then they look good but they were stupid yeah you just thought they were stupid um, uh, might work better as a miniseries they they were thinking of doing it as a miniseries instead of a movie um, and uh, I thought apart from the the couple of the leads the characters were a bit thin for hmm. for a whole movie um, they might have worked better as short stories where, where it didn't matter that they were that thin yeah um the creatures are very faithful to the illustrations, so if you oh. want to see them, but but then it'll it'll get right up on them because they they're all mostly done physically and uh, beautifully. I mean, super, I mean, really impressive stuff. Yeah, um, there's some like CG enhancements and, and and for some of the more bizarre movements that they do, but um, they look really good. But I wish, uh, especially there's this like a smiling creature in this hospital and it's like approaching this kid from the far end of a corridor and whichever corridor he turns to there it is coming slowly towards him but then the camera goes right up close to it so you get a good look at it and it kind of spoils the Uh. kind of horror of it um for me um and and the the blu-ray i watched on the blacks were really poor they were so bright huh um I i wish they came out with better edition um but uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I enjoyed it um, overall. All right. Yeah, and uh, let's see what else. Yeah, and then I think that was it. Okay, cool. Um, before I talk about my recently watched, uh, we should mention that we played uh, the board game Horrified. Oh, yeah. And uh, Jolien, you got this uh, this Universal Studios uh, licensed board game where. You and your friends do battle with the Universal Monsters. Yeah, they should make a movie based on this board game. Yeah. A um, couple things I learned. Um, Dracula ain't all that. <laughs> Will single-handedly crushed all the coffins and defeated Dracula. And, yeah. When you uh, look at the movies, he, he gets up every few years and then within the week he's back. <laughs> yeah, someone <laughs> he's kills <dead>. him. <laughs> and um, the Invisible Man is a dick. Oh, God. Oh, Yeah. I think he has the highest body count in all the universe. He, he absolutely he does. He derails a train yeah. full of people. Yeah, kills everybody. Um, <laughs> but everything kept going horribly wrong. He kept uh, the same card kept coming up where the invisible man steals stuff from us, and it was the stuff we needed to make things uh, happen for ourselves, mm-hmm. and you know, to save ourselves from the rolls of the dice. And uh, all the hits we would take from that. And, um, yeah, so 
we got defeated by the monsters on our second game. <laughs> well, we tried to go up against all the monsters. <laughs> That's true. When it's just three friends versus two monsters, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try and do four or five monsters. It's just not going to work. <laughs> you got crushed. I looked yeah. up because you said like the people have invented their own expansions to it with the fly and stuff. Yeah. But they, had, they they talked about it on on board sites, but no one's actually done it. Oh, oh it was that's just disappointing. Because I was just thinking somebody should add Jaws. There's a universal <laughs> monster. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The thing. He sticks in the water, stays in the water. Yeah, you could add the thing and the fly. And the fly is fox. Okay, that's true. It is fox. Is this our first helicopter at the new studio? Maybe it's a TV crew from Brazil. It could be. They're trying to find us. So um, other than tonight's featured attraction, which we're going to talk about, uh, Nightmare Cinema, um, I watched a documentary. Direct, it's, a tw- it's a 2019 documentary directed by Penny Lane. I'm not sure if that's a nom de plume or not, but uh, it's called Hail Satan with a question mark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really interesting because if you th- if you confuse the Satanic Temple with the Church of Satan, then you're you're getting two completely different things mixed up. So the Church of Satan was uh, Anton LaVey's organization. The Satanic Temple was something that was started by some people who said, "Hey, it's not enough to be an atheist or agnostic. I need to be something that really causes trouble." Causes trouble, yes. So something that takes issue with things and and uh, decides to like. I found that being an obnoxious atheist wasn't enough. <laughs> I could step it up. Could I be a vegan too? Ooh. <laughs> so anyway, it's really interesting. I, I, you should watch this documentary because yeah, um, what it comes down to is um, if 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 local, state, or federal government favors one religion over others, then we really don't have uh, religious equality. We don't have a separation of church and state. So to make this point, the Satanic Temple wanted to put the goat of the Baphomet statue with the two children. Uh, They wanted to put this um, at the state capital. Was it Arkansas or Oklahoma where they started it? I believe it was Oklahoma. Oklahoma was the first one. Yeah. So... um, the, the higher ups in uh, the satanic temple said, let's make it out of something that's not easily vandalized either. So let's have it sculpted uh, and then cast in bronze. So um, I don't want to spoil anything about this. It's an interesting story. One of the chapters goes too far. The Detroit chapter goes too far. And uh, I'm not going to tell you whether or not they lose their charter, but uh, they, they go too far um, in the things they say. Sacrifice? No, it doesn't go that far. But, uh, oh, well, come on. Yeah. They open a bit to hell. How can you go too far in the church of in the satanic temple? Uh, well, you'll see. They've, they've got like seven tenants that they're based on, and, it, and somebody went against some of them. Um, now... Believe it or not, I have never seen Rebel Without a Cause until I was ill last week and had a day off. And I said, you know what? This is on Netflix. I'm going to watch it. I kind of feel like I'd be the toughest guy in 1955. Because <laughs> yeah. I think all of those tough guys, they, they're just a bunch of, right. bunch of fucking dicks, man. <laughs> like the one guy who was starting all the trouble. I think if James Dean's character just walked up and punched him in the mouth, he'd be like, you punched me in the mouth. <laughs> you know, it's... It, Teenagers were just not 
all that. Sorry. Well, movie teenagers. Right, real teenagers. Real well, teenagers, you know, would stab you. Yeah. Um, this would have been around the right time that my dad would have been a teenager or, you know, late teens, early 20s. And I know what him and his friends got up to. What little I know that they got up to was enough to know that they would have kicked all these guys' asses. Yeah. So anyway, um, it's based on a 1944 book, very loosely, which had the extended title, Rebel Without a Cause, The Hypoanalysis of a Criminal Psychopath. But there are no similarities to the book at all in this story. Um, I watched it strictly for um, the sake of of, uh, watching something that I believe I should have seen a long time ago. I don't think I missed much in having not seen it till now. Um, Giant is a better movie. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, if you, if you want to see East, <clears throat> East of Eden and Giant and you don't ever see Rebel Without a Cause, you're not missing much. Um, on Halloween night, I watched House on Haunted Hill, the William Castle classic mm-hmm. uh, from 1959. That was awesome. Background stuff. We had two door knocks, huh. three trick-or-treaters total. That's why we still oh. have candy here on the table. Um it was uh, it was cool though. There there was a brother and sister that came up and uh, and they stopped at the cats with the fake fire pots in front of them. And, and this kid was like, "This is cool." He was like the Red Power Ranger or whatever. And him and his sister came up to the door and I said, "Hey, all right." So I held the bowl up where they couldn't see it. I said, "What are your favorites?" And then they named a couple candy bars. I went, "All right, close enough." And I don't have any of those. <laughs> Guess again. Yeah, I don't have any Laffy Taffy. Get the hell out of here. Um, and then uh, and I said, here, take a couple. And I went, no, come on, you're being shy. And then the, the boy was just like grabbing handfuls. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead, man. I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of... No, and we didn't. I'm glad I let them go nuts because they go must... Go nuts, kid. Take yep. all the circus peanuts you want. Yeah. You, you guys want cigarettes? I'll tell you where Will lives. Um, <laughs> and then I watched um, Hunt for the Skinwalker. So if you watch the Bob Lazar Ooh. documentary... Uh, that was done by um, Jeremy Corbell, whose full name is Jeremy Kenyon Locker, Lockyer Corbell. Um, Jeremy Corbell did a really nice job on this. Um, the Skinwalker Ranch, if you've heard of it, is a uh, it, it's a oh, it's, it's a, a haunted paranormal wonderland. <laughs> it's a paranormal hotspot. It's the Disneyland of the paranormal. There's Bigfoots leaping out of portals. There's UFOs picking them up. There's all kinds. There's Nessies. Desert Nassies. <laughs> There's all kinds of great in the, in the pool. <clears throat> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's um, interesting. It's the ranch is known for the paranormal phenomena of several kinds, and it's located in the southeast area of Ballard, Utah. That's all I need to say about it. If you're into this sort of thing, watch it. You'll you'll be entertained. Um, I watched um, Lords of Chaos, which I cannot get past the fact that. Um, is that uh, Rob Zombie? No, 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 no. Not, that's not, what I thought too. No, not Lords of Salem. Lords no, of Chaos. Okay. That's right. Uh, I can't get past the fact that Rory Culkin just looks like Macaulay Culkin, and him playing. This is this is based on um, the uh, the guys from Mayhem and uh, Barzum. Oh, okay. You know this this Norwegian black metal scene where all this horrible shit happened, uh, the church burnings and the murders and the whatnots. Um. This one, uh, it takes place like in the mid eighties and, uh, the original singer of mayhem 
kills himself. Mm-hmm. And then they decide, well, we got to move on and they change band members. There's a guy who wasn't quite as much of a badass in the scene who comes back later. And, uh, and the guy who is now the, the, the guitarist from Mayhem, who's now got a record shop and some other stuff going on in his own record label, um, says, yeah, well, you know, we'll put your music out. Um, but this guy, Christian, who now calls himself Varg, um, starts something called Burzum. Um, I think I pronounced it Barzum earlier, but it's Burzum. And he's like, yeah, I, I made all this music myself. And he hands over like a cassette of it and they're like yeah we need to properly record this and release it so all of a sudden there's a norwegian black metal scene and these guys are the black circle they are the like inner workings of it and and uh of course they they're kind of one-upping each other or sort of suggesting things and other people are like taking it as a dare and doing things like burning churches to the ground and some of these churches were like from the year 1100 or whatever um, I will say churches are really pretty when they burn. So, hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that to try and sound evil or anything. It just was really pretty. Uh, I wouldn't recommend watching this over watching the documentary um, Until the Light Takes Us. That's a much better uh, story of all this stuff. And it's a documentary. So if you want to watch something about the Norwegian black metal scene, and you could uh, talk to um, Mike, who was on our show before, because uh, he knows all about this stuff. In fact, we should have him back for a, a, like a, a black metal mm. episode at some point in time. So that was awesome uh, to to see a fictionalized version of it and just sort of, you know, turn my brain off because I already know the main plot points of everything that happened from having seen the documentary. And um, yeah, it's just Rory Culkin looks like Macaulay, you know. So what are you going to do? Um, I did watch, uh, another, uh, Jeremy Corbell movie called patient 17. This is about people who have, uh, what appear to be metal implants from the aliens removed from their body. And, uh, there's a doctor who specifically does these surgeries. A surgery. doctor who? A doctor, uh, <laughs> by whom these surgeries are done. There's uh, a doctor who? There's a doctor who does surgeries. Yeah. He'll get down to the answer, you know, <laughs> yeah. about aliens. Yeah. Time travel, implants, mm-hmm. Doctor Who, X Files crossover. Anyone? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Just burn both those <laughs> <laughs> franchises to the ground with that. But uh, it's also worth a look. You know, it's it. it I, I got spoiled on seeing the Bob Lazar one first because it's. I know you're skeptical about Bob Lazar. Will you're shaking your head, but I think I think he's telling the truth. I think he is. I think there are really UFO, uh, actual flying saucer being reverse engineered by our own physicists. Uh, so then I got on a roll with UFOs and I watched uh, one that um, uh, UFOs and the Pentagon. Okay. You heard of this one? No. Uh, well, um, Jolien, you're to blame for this. This guy's from England. Uh, Nick Pope. <laughs> um, here, let me. Yeah. Let me um, He's in the Vatican. Nick Pope. Nick, Nick Pope from the Vatican, yes. From the Vatican, um, yes. Uh, let's see. Let's Doctor mm, Who and Nick Pope from yeah. the Vatican. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. UFOs in the Pentagon. Let's see. Uh, I don't know. Nick Pope. What did he do? Uh, he's. Yeah, I think I messed that search up. Let's just look up Nick Pope. 
Uh, Exciting. Yes. Podcast. Yeah, I could edit this shit out, but you know. Just rename it In Search of Nick Pope. In Search of Nick Pope and the Pentagon. Is he the footballer or the journalist? (laughs) He's uh, the footballing journalist. (laughs) Nick Pope. Some kind of bear. He's a freelance British journalist and media commentator. He was an employee at the British government's Ministry of Defense, of course, spelled with a C, not an S, um, from 1991. Not a D? <laughs> well, yeah. It's got defense? A, sure, it's got a D there. It's not as... Syphence. <laughs> it's defense. Um, wide range of uh, duties for the... Um, Ministry of Defense relating to non-operational RAF activities. That's the Royal Air Force for our listeners. One of his responsibilities was to investigate UFO phenomena to determine if they had any defense significance. Now, when they wrote defense there, it was D-E-F-E-N-S-E. So, you know, we could argue about which is the correct spelling, but I'm going to go with the country that made up the language. You guys can have that one. Thanks. Yeah, sure. Thank <laughs> do you. What, I do what I can. I might be visiting next year, so I can go thank all the British people in person for giving us the proper spellings of things. Mm-hmm. That's all that I had. Now we're uh, an hour into the show. Let's talk about uh, the featured attraction for five minutes and then call, okay, go <laughs> call, ahead. And call it quits. <laughs> Nightmare Cinema. Recommend? Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, Will, how did you like it? I recommend. Jolian? <laughs> I recommend it too, Will. How about you, Richard? <laughs> Um, yeah, I recommend it. All right. Well, that's uh, the show once again. Uh, join us next week when we'll be talking about something else. Hey, stop it before someone tunes out. Let's talk about it for a few I'm minutes. sure they tuned out a long time ago. I'm not sure they did. Listener? <laughs> Listener? We better talk about it in case someone actually tuned in. Oh, yeah, in case they tuned in to, to see what we... We, we could tell them. Or to hear what we said. Skip ahead literally one hour. Okay. Um, okay, guys. Uh, so this was this was uh, an anthology available on Shudder, um, made in 2018, with a wraparound of a projectionist at this strange little somewhat rundown movie theater. Projectionist mm-hmm. played by Mickey Rourke. Yep. The that, Rialto Theater. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it was filmed at the Rialto, right? Okay. Yeah. So there we have it. Um... That sort of... Well, I always say that I was worried when I heard it was an anthology. Yep. Um, That can be worrisome. Yeah. It's so easy to get burned by anthologies, I find. Sure. Be it books, movies, uh, comics. This is a project put together by Mick Garris. Okay. Who's got much experience in anthologies. And uh, this originally was going to be the next series after Masters of Horror. Oh, Okay. Uh, but it didn't pan out as a yeah. TV series, so they eventually settled on a movie. Well, uh, so as I said, I was worried, but uh, I really like this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the uh, we should go story by story. Okay. But, uh, start out with the... Uh, the thing in the woods. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so it starts out and it's like, uh, oh, this is a pretty good slasher, but you dropped into the last 20 minutes. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I'm I'm quite enjoying it, just as a, a fun slash, a well done one. Yeah. But then it takes a twist. The no, twist, and, and we can. Takes I, a twist I won't into, spoil this. into uh, Richard territory. So is it, okay. So is this a uh, is this a welding mask he's wearing? Yeah, he's called the welder. He's right. called the welder. Yeah. Okay. How does he see through it? 
as a, as a visor in the front of the welding helmet. Yeah, do, does he have it flipped up or anything? Is he doesn't gla- appear to, but glass thing. There. Yeah, I mean the the glass thing should. Only, I, I don't know if you if you guys have done a lot of welding, but you should only be able to see through that glass when you have an extremely bright arc going in front of you. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I don't know. Maybe it, it, let, let's suspend disbelief on that part of it. But uh, yeah, what did you think of that? Without the welder, I mean, yeah. it seemed like a decent slasher. Yeah, this, this one's directed by uh, Alejandro uh, Bruges, mm-hmm. who did uh, Juan of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, and he worked on, I think, one of the VHS, or was it ABCs of Death? I don't know. I think most people in, in, on this have worked on an, a different anthology, like yeah. VHS or ABCs of Death and Masters of Horror and things like that. Um, but yeah, have you seen Juan of the Dead? No. It's really good. It's like this Cuban uh, zombie comedy thing it's yeah i'll have to check good. it out yeah, yeah. They, they wanted to have the title resemble Shaun of the dead but yeah yeah they're not trying to do the same story yeah it's got that similar sort of uh idea of like the funny thing you know it's a comedy but the, the zombies are done seriously right yeah and it's got a lot of um uh you know one of the reasons he had to leave the country was it's got it pokes a lot of makes a lot of political points oh sure which he had to be really careful about doing and uh, yeah, they they didn't realize what what the movie was going to be until they saw the until it was playing, right? And like mobs of people were were trying to get to see it, and, uh, and the officials saw it, and they <laughs> they realized what some of the things were that were happening. Yeah, <laughs> that could definitely bum some people out in the higher uh, places in the government. So. Um, did you guys like uh, the thing in the woods kind of uh, if you had to, well, I guess we could talk about the individual stories and sort of like in what order would you put them? But uh, um, Mirari was the second one. The woman with facial scars seeks plastic surgery at a sinister clinic. I yes. like this one too. As the Joe Dante one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Richard Chamberlain, who yes. was, who was yes. yeah, he was in uh, Shogun. Yes. That's, yep. that's, and, and Dr. Kildare, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of weird. Um, I was kind of thinking it was going to go sort of the the route of of that uh, um, Twilight Zone episode. Oh, yeah, I yeah, did. Yeah. Eye of the Beholder. I thought it was going to go like fully Eye of the Beholder, but uh-huh. yeah, it kind of did go that direction though, didn't it? Yeah. They're like, what, what but I think they did enough to make it stylish enough to. I don't know. They made it work. Yeah. At least I enjoyed this one. Yeah. As well. And, and then uh, what's the how, how do we pronounce this other one? Mashit, uh, the one with the the Catholic schoolgirls possessed by the demon. Right. Yes. Have either of you ever watched King of the Hill? Yes. Well, in King of the Hill, they have a show within a show called Via Con Dios. Yes. With Monsignor Martinez. Yes. This is the final episode of that series. <laughs> okay, that makes sense to me. This movie. Was the best part of this, of this uh, anthology? Yeah, this section. Um, I mean, it's kind of bland at first. You're like, oh, another possession. Okay. What, what? Um, but by the end, when the uh, Monsignor and the nun are chopping uh, school children up, yeah, and blood is spraying everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> didn't see that coming. Wow. Yeah. It yeah, it went dark. Um, 
Will, when I mentioned to you that, you know, uh, yeah, it was this and it was on Shutter, you're like, yeah, that's what we're going to watch. Yeah, you're right. Uh, all I said to you was, overall, Nightmare Cinema, a little, little mean-spirited. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you agree? Or did you think I was just being a little sensitive? I didn't feel it mean-spirited. No? Not really. Um, you know what? Perhaps I, the fourth story could be considered a bit mean-spirited. I think that's the one that put me onto that feeling. Um, that's this way to the egress or this way to egress. Yeah. I did not care for either this one or the last one. Yeah. Which was dead. Yeah. I felt that they, uh, if they had ended with the Monsignor bit, it'd be the greatest anthology ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, up there with, uh, you know, creep shows and, I, and I your f- whatnots. I felt that one was the, uh, that, that was the weakest story for me. Number because four or number five? The, uh, the, the one about the, the Sacred Heart, because uh, it felt the most familiar. It was like an Italian exorcist, non-exploitation movie. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, um, and it did go much further than with the gore than those tended to do. Yeah. With, and especially with who it did it to. Um, but it was the most familiar it was now maybe that's and the other stories they they had the familiar setups right but then they took a twist and it was something really different maybe that's some of the violence being perpetrated on kids maybe made me feel like it was mean um not that kids should be exempt from all awfulness but mm-hmm. i don't think butchering them up is great uh you they know, were stabby they, well they were stabby they had to be stopped but I think considering that in the um, the fifth story, Dead, which is the one that uh, Mick Garris directed, uh, where the little adolescent uh, piano prodigy gets killed. Yeah. Or, well, he gets when killed his, and revived. When his family's Manson breaks loose. Yeah. And this is why states are right to ban Mansons. Yes. You know, <laughs> they are a killer breed. No more hippie rippers. No more hippie rippers, yeah. Uh, so he gets loose and he kills the family and then he stalks the little boy at the hospital while yeah. he sees ghosts. Yeah. Um, so I got curious, uh, like, why the um, the girl with the, with the blonde dreads and the tattoos, I thought, is there something we're supposed to see with her tattoos that I'm missing? And then I thought, oh, maybe the the actor, she just has tattoos. So I Googled her, like I looked at the cast and I Googled her and I went, oh, okay. I didn't know that this was a person who I should maybe, she's famous. Lexi Pantera is a, she was first famous for being, uh, she did a, a twerking workout. So she was all about the twerking, apparently. She does actually have those tattoos is what I discovered. Um so wait you said she was a celebrity so yeah that's and yet i've never heard of her or anything she's ever done it's strange right (laughs) does that mean we're getting old well i i've not watched many how to twerk videos exactly i think no i think it's how to get exercise by twerking i'm just making the point that i don't believe that this person is a celebrity at all (laughs) well Well, let's see what counts as a celebrity now it can't be someone who just does a peculiar bottom movement on youtube no no we gotta stop that yeah like uh people are getting famous for no good reason aren't they um yeah so uh well let's see her facebook page apparently has 2.2 million likes so 
I guess that's it. Yeah, you know she's moderately famous. What is she five seven or five eight? Make up your damn minds, people. Um, anyway, yeah. So she's known for uh, twerking. <laughs> Hmm. Um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, I don't know if that was really uh, sufficient to say that uh, that there was something uh, that some things that could have been different about this in, in her character had nothing to do with it. I just I, I liked her performance yeah. in this. Yeah, her perf- her performance was good. Um, I don't know, man. I uh, her the the boy's dead mom. It's kind of a bitch. Yeah. Trying to pull him over to the dead side. I kind of like that. Did you? Yeah, it's Did like uh, you have his his lost loved ones and they turn up and and you think they're going to wish him well, but they want, to, they want him to be dead too. Right. The hell. I mean, are they really the... Maybe there's some sort of uh, uh, demons or something. Maybe they're not even really the parents. Maybe they're just trying to drag him to hell. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard... I might watch that one again, you know, but I did think that one was pretty good. I didn't, I didn't need, like, couldn't he, couldn't he have been like a shitty kid that just wanted to go to a store and buy a video game? Like, why did he have to be so good at the piano? Then you're like, damn it. Why did, and his parents were so nice. Yeah. I mean, maybe the parents could have been like kind of shitty and he could have been kind of shitty. And then it would have been more like. First oh, of all, well. realistic. <laughs> and you cared a little bit less. I don't you know. cared a little bit less. Yeah, that's what I want. I want to care less. Um, so if you guys had to put them in order, what, what order would you put them in? We've got the thing in the woods. Uh, the one with the plastic surgery clinic is called Mirari. Um, Mashit, this way to egress, and dead. Well, I'd keep them in the same order and cut the last two. <laughs> okay, so you just like the first three. Yeah. Never, never mind uh, uh, the the, uh, the twerk out girl and uh, the one with all the the, the the reality, the blurring reality, and all the the walls are splattered with all the bloody gore, uh huh, or whatever it was supposed to be. Mud. It was supposed to be mud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mud. I didn't like this one at all. No, I didn't care for that one as much. Right. Although it was. Perhaps a bit creepier. Yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. It was pretty creepy. And it had like creepy dream feel. Yeah. Um, but it seemed a little slight. Maybe it didn't have quite enough. You know, that's the problem with these. They, you know, you don't, you don't the, have the, a... the the amount just right. Right. Yeah, that one leaves off on a really ambiguous, non-conclusive ending. Yeah. I assume she shot herself, but yeah, yeah. And why'd she show up there? It just seemed kind of random, right? I, yeah, you know, it just yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't make a lot of sense of it. I mean, she seemed to be losing her mind, and the kids seemed to be alien agents or uh, other dimensional agents. And I did like the fact that the the gun was this weird. Uh, that kind of reminded me of uh, Burroughs. Uh, yeah, I was thinking it was Cronenberg. Yeah, well, Cronenberg, Burroughs, same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was in a foil packet that was torn open, and then it was a single-use gun that had like this weird, throbby, fleshy end on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean... Single-use dog dick gun. I liked 
parts of that like it like i said it had a nice dream quality but it didn't it didn't do anything. didn't do anything with it right it just kind of made us bummed out and then it left yeah I don't know if, if you guys felt like that one was a bummer, but I did. It was a bit of a bummer. Yeah. And then the last one was, it wasn't bad, but it yeah, it felt very familiar to me. Yeah. And then... Yeah, like that That felt like one of the made-for-TV um, uh, new Twilight Zones or something. Not the new iteration, but the one from the 90s. It felt like one of those. Yeah. So I wasn't like too surprised by anything that happened in it. Oh, man, they were dead? Yeah. Oh man, those were alive. Uh. Whereas, yeah, the uh, the uh, the Monsignor one was also very familiar, and I was kind of bored until the very end when he pulled out a sword. Why was there a sword <laughs> in the chapel? I said, and then the Crusades shit went down. Yeah. All right. Well, then we could say they go in the order they were in, and just lop off the last two. Yeah. You Julian should probably <laughs> only do three stories in an anthology. Yeah, and just call it a trilogy or a trinity or a... A trilogy of terror? Yeah, that's a great name for something. <laughs> One of them has to have an evil doll. Oh, yeah. That's that's my only requirement for that. Anywho, Jolien, what order would you put them in? Uh, well, I thought the fourth one was my favorite. <laughs> was it really? Uh, <laughs> I, if, if a movie delivers on amazing visuals and atmosphere, I, I love it. I don't care if it doesn't make sense at all. Or if it's mean spirit. If it does make sense, <laughs> even better. But uh, okay. if, you know, if it delivers like nightmarish, beautiful imagery, okay, I'm there. So I'm, and I thought I, I loved when she was just sitting there, and you, you kind of each time you see the receptionist, there's something off. Right. Yeah. And I really love those early, really subtle changes. Like something her eyes her are eye different. Weird. Right. And she's she's being kind of. A bit too rude. <laughs> well, okay, so so the eyes. I want to stop right there and say, now you've seen Thirty Days of Night. Same director. Yes. Um, when I saw that, I went, oh, that the eye, the eye is twisted in like those vampires in mm-hmm. Thirty Days of Night. Yes. And then I paused and Googled, and I went, oh, same director. Yeah, yeah, David so, Slade. So that's that's his aesthetic. He digs that <laughs> twisted in eye look. Yeah. Yeah, it works. It's crazy looking. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, and I, I just love the the photography on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, really cool. Yeah, that's my favorite. And then the second one will be um, uh, the thing in the woods. I yeah. Was, I was just so okay. Delighted. I was enjoying it well enough, and then that twist. Yep. Yep. Delightful. Yeah. So that's cool. And then uh, plastic surgery, uh, Catholic school, uh, piano prodigy dies. Uh, what order do you put the rest of them in? Uh, uh, I probably go. Um, probably go with the plastic surgery and then the uh, the dead and then the Catholic school. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I would say for me, um, yeah, the the Catholic school one was pretty crazy. Uh, I had a hard time watching kids get butchered, but uh, you know, you're right, Will. They they did bad things and had it coming yeah and they had really high blood pressure right. every one of <laughs> them sure was just like squirt out so much blood and the kid who fell off the roof like oh man a huge bloody mess and then he continued to bleed it was like how much blood is in that kid yeah it's a ridiculous amount <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> you know if they get real cartoony with the violence i'm all right with it, you know, I've the more it. blood that sprays out, the better. It was directed yeah. by uh, Ryuhei Kitamura. 
He did uh, Versus and uh, Midnight Meat Train. Oh, okay. No, I've not seen those. Well, that makes yeah, sense. Versus is really comic booky. Okay, excellent. Lots of those fountains of blood. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's, you know, how I can handle kids getting locked up just because they were such fountains of blood. Yeah. Well, um, overall, uh, I think we all said at the beginning of this that we would recommend this to uh, horror fans. Uh, mm. What about people who, who don't like horror? Do you think they could hang with this for even one mm. of the segments? I think uh-uh. this would put people off. Yeah. Like, you kind of have to be into horror to get this. <laughs> I think so. I mean, look at the poster. You know? What about Mickey Rourke fans? You know. And did Mickey Rourke know he was in a movie? Mickey Rourke. Or was he just hanging out at the Rialto and they put him in the movie? <laughs> he had to, he had that jacket custom made for this movie. Did you know that? Nice. That makes and, sense. And he's stuck with the bill. Oh, good. And he gets he gets to keep the jacket. Well, yeah. Who's going to fight him, right? Hey, Mick Garris, go kick his ass. I don't know, man. <laughs> um, Mickey Rourke uh, narrated that Bob Lazar, uh, Area 51, and Flying Saucers. So, you know, there's a nice tie-in. Wow. Yeah. That is bizarre. Mickey Rourke's getting some work, man. This is this is his comeback. Like 2019 into 2020, you know, this is this is the age of this is the new age of Mickey Rourke. Yeah. It's coming back. Bring out a nice new edition of Angel Heart. Yeah. And Angel Heart too. Yeah, I watched that when I was in uh, Atlanta. <laughs> It'll be terrible. Everybody will be really old. No, we'll I do basically the same story. I want him to do nine and a half weeks over again. Ooh. <laughs> In sorry. a nursing home? Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that might be a good place to wrap it up. So do you guys want to try... We'll just call it 19 weeks. <laughs> right. 19 and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to try to do Mockbusters versus Originals? Um, or do you want to try and do Dr. Sleep for next time? Let's do uh, Mockbusters. Okay. Mockbusters versus so, originals. All right. So we should uh, pick them after the show. Yeah. We'll surprise everybody. But let's, should we do like an Annabelle ripoff, a nun ripoff, and yeah. and yeah. Uh, and a Conjuring ripoff? Yeah. Okay. I just want to watch the invoking. Uh, I'll write them down on a piece of paper and then we can draw them. Yeah. We'll shake them up all in right, this, so. this mug that my nephew Johnny made when he was little. Nun. Yeah. Doll. And what was the other one? Conjuring. Conjuring. All right. So we're going to do this off mic, and then you got all can... Or do you want to do them now? Are we doing... Are, are we going to do them now? Let's do them now. Sure. All right. This so, is good podcasting. It is. Listener. Yes. Um, so we're going to we're gonna do this live, and then, <laughs> then you're going to know who's watching what. Because I'll tell you right now, if, my, if, if I get Conjuring, I am watching The Invoking. <laughs> Somebody's watching the invoking. Yeah, one of us or all of us. I just can't believe that somebody is like, "Hey, they're coming out with this thing called the Conjuring." Well, let's write a piece of crap and name it something similar and put it out there. And uh, the invoking. Yeah, that's similar, that's similar to conjure. Okay, shake it up, Will. All right. Will, you pick first. All right. And uh, here, I'll shake it up, and then Jolie and you pick. Since it was my dumb idea, I'll go last. All right, and uh, I can't believe this. I got the nun. I got the conjuring. I got a rock. (laughs) Yeah, you did. You got the doll. All right. 
there it is. Listeners, Mockbusters versus Originals. We're going to do it. That means I have to rewatch The Conjuring too. Well, yeah. The Conjuring also. But there is an invoking too, I noticed. So, one would hope. Well, yeah. That's right. not the kind of story you can wrap up in one. No, no, no. I'm sure. It, it, it takes a lot. Yeah. But if I, I tell you what, if I watch the invoking and it turns out it's... A, <laughs> we're going through a tunnel. Uh, if it turns out that it's supposed to be like like one of the Ouija movies, then I'll have to switch. All right? Uh, no. No, I'll still watch the invoking. <laughs> oh. But if it looks like it's based on one of the Ouija movies, then that's what I'll go back and watch. Oh, okay. I see. All right. Does it seem fair? I suppose. All right. Should we call it a show? Let's call it a show. Listeners, thank you for listening. Time bananas.